Welcome to another edition of the Angry Quarterbacks Podcast. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com with the real quarterback, Tony Pike from Reading High School, UC Carolina Panthers yep. fame. We broadcast, as we do each and every week, live from the James Rapine Memorial Studios, yes. but like a phoenix rising from the ashes on the line from Cleveland, where the Bengals play the Browns this week, is James Rapine. You are alive. How are you? I'm alive. I'm well. I'm, I'm doing well, guys. How are you? That's great. Got to be better than what the Browns are right now. I, I'm doing much better than the Browns and, you, and much better than Freddie Kitchens. You, I'm sure you guys are, too. Did you buy a shirt? Were you wearing the, the Steelers started it shirt this week as well? I wasn't, mm. but the fact that an NFL head coach <laughs> decided that it was smart to do that is, is why Freddie Kitchens should not be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns even right now, not only not only not only war, but double down. Yes, double down. Yes. How how dumb is he? That, like, it, there's a reason he's been a position coach for uh, ten times the the amount of time that, that Tony Pike was in the NFL. You know, he's, he's he's a position coach, and that's it. That's what he should be. You no, know, he, he's um, almost inviting himself to get. It's almost like, please fire me. I'm going to do everything I can for you to fire me. And I'll tell you that, and there are a lot of fans that are defending it. It's just a t-shirt, it's just a t-shirt. Fine. But I know for a fact that the the, the Haslam's, the owners of the Browns, uh, John Dorsey, they weren't they weren't saying that. It's not just a shirt. It made you look silly. Yes. And then two days later, you went out and got your tail kicked in by Mike Tomlin's backups. Yep. Yes. So it's, uh, it's certainly something... Uh, that, that that bothered the the Browns organization. Yeah, then then you, you top it off with the silly hat that he wore to the uh, the game. He looked like a, a mafioso from the 1930s. It's just mm. like Freddie. You Freddie, have one of those hats. Though. I don't have one of those hats. No, I don't. So so James, honestly, what what has gone primarily wrong with this team? Because when you put it down on paper, and while Baker Mayfield is the lowest rated passer in the AFC North, I want that to be known. He is the mm. lowest rated passer right now in. Of the, in the AFC North. But but when you put it down on paper, Baker Mayfield's a, a capable quarterback. Nick Chubb is a great running back. Jarvis Landry is a very good WR2. They've, they've ruined OBJ somehow. The tight ends are a good group. I know they have some issues on the offensive line, but what's gone wrong? Well, it, it starts, and we're going to go right back, but it's it's Freddie Kitchens. You know, I mean, he the reason he was hired for, was, was his play calling, right? And, yes. And what he did for Baker Mayfield in the second half of last season and he somehow used Brashad Perriman, who was a bust in Baltimore and is now barely catching passes in Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. as a, a better deep threat than Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, that, that's literally what we're talking about. Nick Chubb, you just mentioned him. He had six carries in the second half last week against Pittsburgh. Green Hunt didn't get a carry. With it, within a one-possession football, it wasn't like they were chasing three touchdowns. Correct. On the road in a hostile environment. I mean, it's exactly when you want to control the clock, especially when the, the Steelers are running the ball down your throat, you know, and your, your defense is on the field for most of that second half. So it, it, it's one of those things where I, I point to Freddie Kitchens. It's not just his fault. He wasn't the, by the way, he didn't hire himself. You know, he, right. it, was, it was John Dorsey. And, and John Dorsey is the one who failed offensive line-wise and drafted Austin Corbett a couple years ago, and that didn't work out. And obviously he traded Kevin Zeitler, which – Looks pretty silly now when you look at the Browns' offensive line. But when you look at those struggles on offense, I think I could call plays better. I think you guys could call plays better. Um, it, it, after 16 years of watching Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati, I'm like, man, Marvin Lewis would have eight or nine wins with this group, and he's he's got him at five and seven. So I, 
I think Freddie Kitchens has done about as bad of a job as you could do as a first-year head coach. And I know if it was me making the decision, he wouldn't be back next year. Yeah, that's what I was going uh, really... to Otherwise, but uh, he certainly wouldn't be back next year if I was making the call. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, it, it doesn't happen often in this league where a coach gets a year and he's gone. It's happened before and happened last year to, to Arizona's guy. I mean, do you really think that that will take place, that, that when all said and done, this team finishes whatever, 7-9, and 8-8, eight eight, they're not going to make the playoffs, that because of that, that Freddie Kitchens is gone? There's a chance. I think if they lose, oh, let's tie the Bengals into this. If they right. lose to the Bengals this week at home, I mean, that's pretty tough, right? Yes. And the Bengals are getting healthier. Andy obviously looked good last week. So, yeah, there is a path to him not returning next year. I think the Browns are really worried about perception and, and, and not giving Freddie a, a real chance. But the problem is, is if you got it wrong, you got to acknowledge you got it wrong. Yes, exactly. And, and I know it's only been 12 games, but it, it looks like he got it wrong. Yeah. So, or 13 games now, so, uh, or will be. But anyways, yeah, I, th- I think he got it wrong. And so they, they should move on and write that wrong. Plus, here's the thing. If you're a veteran coach, the fact that Freddie Kitchens got hired probably made you laugh. But, like, the Marvin Lewis's of the world, right, trying to get back in the NFL. Right. He yeah. laughed that Freddie Kitchens got this job. I don't think that's going to prevent you if they fire him after a year from taking a job that has Odell Beckham Jr. and Nick Chubb and well, Baker a, Mayfield it's an attractive and all these guys job. and all this talent. No, it's a very attractive job. Yep, what's, exactly. James, what's what's the feel? Because going into the Pittsburgh game where you're going against basically what was a practice arm in Duck Hodges, this team still had a, a good sense and good control of being able to latch onto that wild card spot. Now when you look at the way this roster is assembled – Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't been the headache. He hasn't caused problems. But now it seems like the playoffs are more and more out of reach when losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers. What is the feel and the sense of Cleveland now that, okay, we might not legitimately have a chance to make the playoffs? And and, and is that a, a panic mode or is that more of a frustration mode? Do you start to lose some of the guys in the locker room for, for what Freddie Kitchens has? I mean, so far, the guys that have talked, they seem still pretty dialed in. Um, and focused, and they haven't really paid attention uh, to, to the standings or anything like that. But I, they knew the importance of that Pittsburgh game. And, and Jarvis Landry got emotional on the sidelines, and, and we'll hear more on, on Wednesday this week. But, but I think, yeah, this is the time when you could certainly start to see it unravel. Freddie's kept them together. At 2-6, and six, I, I will give him credit. He kept them together. They found a way to beat Buffalo a couple weeks back, and then on a short week, and we saw what happened at the end, but on a short week beat, beat the Steelers. So he deserves credit there, no doubt about it. But now that there's like a 6 or 7% shot at the playoffs, and you have to win out, and you have to beat uh, the MVP, or, the, or uh, certainly one of the favorites uh, for the MVP and Lamar Jackson for a second time just to have a shot, it's a tough hill uh, to get up. So we'll see if it happens. And honestly, it might be good for OBJ to lose his mind because the fact that they can't get OBJ the ball consistently, I mean, my God. I thought A.J. Green wasn't targeted enough at times over the past (laughs) couple of years in Cincinnati when he was healthy. And this OBJ thing is just on a whole other level. I mean, it's it's insane to think that he he goes 20 to 30 game minutes without getting a target uh, in must-win games. But uh, here we are. Yeah, it, 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 it has been puzzling. And so I will ask you, is that OBJ's skill set has eroded to the point where he's nothing more than a possession receiver you just look at every once in a while? Or is this more about schematics and play calling and, and, and those kind of things? 
I think it's exactly that, schematics, play calling, strategy. Um, the other day uh, against the Steelers, the, the Browns, they had just cut it to 20-13, to 13 and they get an interception off Devlin Hodges, which is exactly what you're expecting, right? The rookie to right. kind of give you a chance and open the door. And I'll praise Freddie. He took a shot to Jarvis Landry downfield on first down. Second down was a screen to Demetrius Harris, <laughs> which he proceeded to drop. Who would you rather have a screen hmm. pass thrown to? Odell Beckham Jr. or Demetrius Harris? Yeah, fair enough. It's just no-brainer. So, yeah, I think it's a schematic thing. I've been very critical uh, of Freddie Kitchens when it comes to using OBJ because I, I think he's still a game-changer. I still think he's uh, warranting double coverage. But the good coaches find ways to get him the ball regardless. I mean, and, um, Antonio it's on Baker, too. Yeah. You, you said it. I mean, lowest passer rating in the league. Uh, and I think there's a... A confidence that Baker has always had, and now it, it's kind of, uh, it feels, and maybe it's just because they're losing, but it feels like it's, he's entitled. And, and he's at 11 and 14 as a starting quarterback. And, and Tony, you know this, you can never feel that way and expect to have success at the highest level. Um, and, and I think that some in the organization feel like he thinks he's arrived, and you're 11 and 14, and you're going to miss the playoffs for a second straight year. You, you might be better than what they had. But you certainly haven't arrived. Is it is it something with Baker? Is it because I I still see the skills there, and I still see a quarterback that can be a successful quarterback in the NFL. Is it the offensive line issues that have just continued to cause a problem, like we saw here with Andy Dalton, or is this a situation where he's trying to spread the ball out and make everybody happy and keep everybody happy, or where have the struggles come from most outside of uh, the the Freddie Kitchens inability to call plays? I certainly think the offensive line has something to do with it, especially earlier in the year. He, much like Andy, kind of looked, um, I don't want to say seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold did, but he, he looked like he was expecting pressure on every play. And even if there were plays where he wasn't pressure, he would still roll to his right, or he would almost run into pressure. Um, so he's gotten better with that over the past month, month and a half, and his numbers are better even after... Uh, the, the Steelers game where he kind of struggled on Sunday, but he's just not as accurate. The, the thing that I was so impressed with at Oklahoma and then last year, he would throw into tight windows and he would be extremely accurate, and it's just it hasn't been there consistently this year. And you wonder, and, and I laughed at this at the beginning of the season, but now the perception, the, the entitled perception, right. did he work as hard as he needed to this offseason? Right. Or was he busy filming progressive commercials? That makes my wife laugh. Like that—that's great, Baker. But you got to go out there and throw touchdowns and not interceptions. I, I mean, this—he's got weapons all over the field. I mean, even—and here's the thing: I can rip Freddie Kitchens all day, but if Baker Mayfield's a great quarterback and not a good one, a great one, he can overcome a so-so offensive coordinator. Peyton Manning did it. I, I think there are plenty of quarterbacks that that can do that if they're great. And I think part of this is Baker Mayfield might be good or even really good, not great. And I don't know, unfortunately for him, if that's enough to to overcome the Browns' dysfunction and overcome Freddie Kitchen. Miles um, Garrett not being around, what does that mean for the defense? Oh, man. I think that completely changed the Steelers game, Steelers round two. Uh, it's, he's a game changer. I mean, he's one of the top five pass rushers in the game. And... This when you're not well coached, when you lose a top talent like that, and you're not that much better than your opponent every week from a talent standpoint, it shows. 
in the the thing that I was waiting for is Freddie Kitchens to realize, all right, we're going to have to score 30 points a week now. We don't have Miles Garrett. And he scored 13 against Pittsburgh. So it's a huge loss. I think now you look at that schedule, and there are people certainly here in Cleveland that know that the Bengals could put up points and, and give them a game. Miami, uh, as ugly as that was a couple weeks ago at the start, but they started to score points at the end. This defense is going to be able to give up points and is going to allow points down the stretch. Suddenly Arizona looks like a tough game on the road. Uh, obviously Lamar Jackson on the schedule as well. So when you don't have a Miles Garrett, it, it changes everything. And I really don't know if they have um, the coaches or the um, or, or the talent, even the, the sub average talent, to, to figure out how to get pressure consistently, even on Andy Dalton this Sunday, which is you know a bad Bengals offensive line, even with Cordy Glenn back. Hey, your your guy's going to be back Sunday, James. John Ross is uh, is trending back. You mm. looking forward to seeing him? Of course, people in Cleveland are going to be pissed when I cheer for him after he scores two touchdowns against the Browns, but you know. We'll give you John Ross and Ryan Finley for Baker Mayfield. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't know, man. You guys are set with Andy Dalton. Oh, yeah. You hear all the praise? Set for the next four games, maybe. No, James, you know what happens in Cincinnati. We're 0-11, we win one game, and now it's let's keep Andy Dalton next year. He's Dude, under, he's under contract. Chase Young and Andy Dalton, baby. Yep. It'll change the fortunes for sure. That's my nightmare. By the way, Skinny, the last time I was on this podcast, yes. I said, yeah, obviously they should have drafted Lamar Jackson and you mm. pushed, pushed back yep. against that. Can you admit it now? Yep. Yeah, no, I was going to tell you. For, I made him do that hey, every week, hey, listen, James. Listen, for a running back, Lamar Jackson throws a hell of a ball. I mean, he oh, really does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he has to apologize every week, James. All I know is 31 others got it wrong, too, right? Hey, I'll ask you this, Tony. I text Mo this a week or two ago. Would you give up the first overall pick for Lamar? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. He's proven it. He's proven it. Actually, actually, are you saying as a Bengal fan? I wouldn't because that would require the Bengals to then have to tailor their offense to to that player. And they would just draft him and expect him to do the same things. And they decide, nice, better wide receiver. Let's put him out there. He's been great. I can't say anything other than he's been great. He's proven me wrong, and he's proven a lot of folks wrong, for sure. Speaking of proven wrong, John Ross is going to prove you two guys wrong wow. starting on Sunday. Yeah, okay. He'll get out there for two snaps. He would, Ham- yeah, he would, Hammy, he would prove Ham- me wrong by being on the field. Hammy will get tight, and we'll see you, we'll see you in 2020. We'll, we'll see. Whatever, guys. All I know is, is for, through the first four games of the year, he was ninth in receiving touchdowns. He was. In wide receiver yards. Yep. Uh, he, he was shredding oh. opposing defensive backs without A.J. Green on the field. Yes, he and was. And Andy Dalton throwing to him. Here's, he was. Here's what's going to happen. Dalton has a successful rest of the year. John Ross comes back. A.J. Green back next year on a franchise tag. We get Jonah Williams, Jonah Williams back. plugged right in. We may left. just trade away the number one overall pick because we, we won't don't need, need him. It. We don't need it. Have you seen our defense the last three weeks? <laughs> dominant. Defense has been dominant. Dominant. We don't even need a draft pick next year. <laughs> Playoffs here we go. Basically, dude, can you wait for the storylines of, well, the Bengals actually have two first-round picks because Jonah Williams. That's right. Return. No yep. doubt. That's exactly. <laughs> you, you got a bonus pick right yep. there, baby. All good to go.
all good to go. We're gonna we're gonna and give really Pittsburgh the number one overall. Back, so it's like four first round four first round picks. Yeah. That's right. No, they're they're all good. Pitt, Pittsburgh's gonna offer us a second, fourth, and a sixth, and we'll give them the number one overall pick so they could take Joe Burrow and we could we could play him and Lamar and Baker for the next eight years. That'd be great. That'd be great. And we'll, and we'll, we'll get Marcus Mariota as a free agent in two yep. years. Yep. Oh God! One more thing. Yes, uh, I, I I say this in confidence. I'm I'm 99 sure the Bengals had Mason Rudolph higher on their board than Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Uh, I, I know they did. That. No, they yeah. did. They absolutely did. There's there is no question about it. They and they can. Isn't, isn't that insane? It's a little nutty, and that's why <laughs> that's why I'm so fearful of how this draft is going to go. Even though it looks like hey, if Joe Burrow's there, you got to do it. Something tells me that that. Joe Burrow will be misevaluated and he'll be a bust just because yeah. that's just the he way it's like going to go. Skyline. That's right. Doesn't like skyline. So don't even. Bring I mean, him to that, town. that's the only bad part about Joe Burrow. I yeah. mean, how good has that kid become? I, I'm shocked. What, what they did to Texas, and, and I was on the Tua train, but uh, with that hip injury, it, it's got to be. Burrow. Yeah, I'm totally on the Tua train too. But the hip injury would make me, especially uh, with the injury history of late for first round draft I mean, picks, I wouldn't do it at all. Te- Texas A&M was a good football team. Very this year. good. They're 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 a they very put up good. Fifty on them. Yeah, without batting an eye. Without batting an eye, and they do it every week. James Skinny and I talked about this off air. Is Mike Tomlin a legitimate candidate for Coach of the Year in the NFL? Hell yeah, uh, absolutely. I, mean, I it's, think it's right incredible. Now he probably is Coach of the Year. I him, mean, him or the guy in Miami. Doing, it's crazy. It is, no. but but at the same time, I just ripped Freddie Kitchens for twenty minutes, and I've done that on on various shows for the past three months. So, it, what does it say that? Uh, you know, is it Freddie Kitchens is bad or Mike Tomlin's good? I still say Mike Tomlin's really good because, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys saw this at halftime of that game. He multiple drew, Steelers players said Tomlin he, got the the defense together. Yeah, he drew up a fix and, and completely changed. Yeah, yeah. exactly how they were going to play. And I don't know about you, and I know Browns fans were like, I can't believe that happened. But even as a, a Bengals fan, I'm like. Man, how many times did Marvin Lewis do that against the Steelers? And the answer was never. None, zero, zilch, yeah. nada. Well, James, come see us Saturday night. We're at the Hilton Downtown Cleveland. We'd love to see you. I live right down. I live like a block away. We're going to have to plan it. I'm, I have some friends coming up. Too, All right, cool. But I definitely want to see you. Tony, you're going to be there? Is it just going to be? No, I'll, I'll be at, I'll be at the, uh, the Crown Plaza Memphis East. Where, where, bed, where bed bugs exist. He's got go to go back to Memphis for UC Memphis this weekend. Uh, that's, hey, Tony, are they going to win? Yeah, we're going to win. He didn't say that very confidently, no. James. Didn't sound confident at all. We're going to win, and we're going to jump Boise, and we're going to the Cotton Bowl. There you go. Or the Gasparilla. Enjoy that I trip. will say, literally both of those head coaches are better than the, the one I've watched here coaching the Browns. So. <laughs> maybe Luke Fickle to the Browns. Let's start Ooh. that rumor right here, right now. Wow. <laughs> maybe, it'll, maybe it'll work. Maybe, maybe Urban will go to the Browns. Urban's going to go to Dallas. Come on. Maybe. Mm. You never know. No. Garrett's, Garrett's coming back. He's, he's got job security. <laughs> My, my boy Jason, I got. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Jason, but I'm gonna have to fire him. That's what's gonna come hey, down to. B- before you let me go, what, what's the vibe with Zach Taylor? Uh, Players liking him. I mean, he'll be back next year. I guess. No, no, quite. Yeah, he'll be back for the next four years. You know that. You know better than that. Um, no, and I think you saw it this past weekend. And, and uh, I just taped the segment with Tony for for his show, and he asked me the same thing. I mean, the players were genuinely happy for Zach. Zach was genuinely happy for the players. That's the thing. They they have continued to to grind and stay together, and that that really hard. and that really is not easy to do in an zero eleven season. It's it's really really difficult to do, and and uh, he's he's done a good job in that regard. And I think you go back to what you just talked about. They're getting healthier. 
I, I think you got to be able to see him have all the pieces on offense before you can evaluate him whatsoever. I mean, he's been without AJ all year, with Ross for most of yeah. it, without their first round draft pick, with an offensive line that somehow had John Jerry starting multiple games, which is almost impossible to believe. And I haven't seen him take a penalty on purpose yet this year. No, he is not. That's a good point. Very well done. Which is crazy. Good. Yeah, I was curious because I thought it was a questionable hire because I. It is. It was a question mark. No, because he hung out with Sean McVay. So yeah, he's an NFL head coach. Correct. Uh, I think that's what they believed. Is he hung out the right hand of God of, of, of football, and and it was going to suddenly be the greatest coach ever. But um, I, I don't think he's been overmatched. I don't know whether he's going to be a good head coach in the long run, but I think he's done a good job with a lot of things on his plate. Good. Good. Well, right. that, that's good to hear. Hopefully, he has Joe Burrow, AJ Green, John Ross, Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. If they spend on two veteran offensive linemen, yeah. and that's how they should address this yeah. offensive line because no one in the NFL can, can draft. evaluate Correct. linemen in the draft. It's not just the Bengals. It's not just the Browns. I feel like I've had the same conversation about offensive linemen drafting. It's hard to do, clearly. So go pay the guys that are good at it. Absolutely. Maybe they'll bring Big Wit back. Who knows? But yeah. they, they need to address it. No. I, would, I would agree. Free agency. I would agree. James, we appreciate it. Always good to hear from you. All right. Sounds good. Be Bye, good. James. That's James Rapine from Cleveland, where he's now – Gainfully employed. We we enjoy his his, yes. his banter. Yeah, I'm never gonna let the, the, the uh, look. I own my mistakes, bro. I, yeah, I, I'm, I, and I wasn't. Bill He's po- never owned the John Ross though. Let me let me. No, he won't. He won't. He will not. Let me ask you this: Bill Polian was a six time mm. NFL Executive of the Year. Oh boy, six time. Yeah, right. So he did a lot of good things in building multiple teams in the NFL. Yep, the Bills and the Colts. Right. He thought Lamar Jackson was a wide receiver. I'm just saying. Okay, so just because. Schmuck me didn't think he'd be a good mm. NFL quarterback. I, I don't think I was I was completely wrong. Okay, so there's okay. just that. All right, no, let's not. talk uh, some quick Bengals here for a second. What's the worst team you were ever on, honestly, in your life? That that last Panthers team, yeah, yeah. What when you got to the point? You guys were not over eleven, obviously, but right. I know it wasn't a very good year. You, I'm sure, knew when guys were checking out, right? Right. We've talked a little bit about this. Can you? Can you put yourself in the shoes of the Bengals players and what that win meant, you think, for those guys? Yeah, well, I, it, again, it, we've talked. It was a little different in Carolina because it was a coach that was out of out the door. Right. This is complete. This is a new yeah, coach coming in. This is a new in. coach coming in, so you're still trying to impress the coach and you're still trying to play for next year and, and all this other stuff and, and, and let them evaluate you. Uh, but for a, a new coach and a new team – from day one of Zach Taylor being here, you're drilled with it's a new day, it's going to be a new feel, a new vibe around this team. And for the most part, and I heard John Ross on Bengals line last night talking a little bit about you know how every, anyone in the league would like to play for Zach Taylor. He's, he's that good of a, a head coach, he's that good of a guy. And I think when you see the emotion that, that was displayed to get that win, I think it says – enough about how much that win means and how much just getting over the hump because every week you're asked to buy into a coach and you're asked to buy into a system and every week you're coming up short and so it's like okay how, why, why are we listening to this why are we but every week this team continue to say okay let's let's go back to work let's buy in and I think a big reason they got over that hump this week was the Andy Dalton factor because I think you were losing guys. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. The, the the reason, because everybody questioned, like, why, why go back? Because you had to. Yeah, I you think you were losing guys. To. And yes. you would have lost more guys if, if Ryan Finley started. And Ryan Finley against a Greg Williams defense probably doesn't do anywhere near no. as well as what Andy Dalton did. Uh, so I think it was a move that kind of lighted that fire and said, okay, let's let's give it another chance. 
Let, let's go all in. And everyone said, well, it was one of their best weeks of practice and, and the, uh, you know, the spirits were high. So the interesting part to me and, and what to look for going forward is now they have the first win. Right. Now you're not playing for anything. You're not going to the playoffs. What do you? No one says, "Well, we got to get our second win." Yeah, no. The difference between one and fifteen and three and thirteen is right. pretty negligible. I mean, right. everybody. Just, you don't want to be that team that doesn't win. Yeah, the zero is the big one. Yeah, you don't so want you get the, zero. the win, and now it's like, okay, do you do you now buy in as much this week, knowing that you're not a part of history, and you're not going to be a team that doesn't win a game during the season? That's that's what I question, and that's what I look forward to forward now going forward with what Zach Taylor can do for this team. Yeah. All right, when we continue, we got a little high school football segment, then some college football, and we'll talk about Tony having to make a second straight trip to Memphis. He is looking very forward to it. I know that. Beale Street, here we come, or maybe an hour away. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. All right, we'll continue. It's the Angry Quarterbacks. I'm Richard Skinner. He's Tony Pike. We're broadcasting from the James Rapine Studios. It's not Memorial Week. We rose in from the dead moments ago from your friends at ESP Media. Get the skinny on Cincinnati sports with Richard Skinner only on Local12.com and the Local12 News app. Exclusive content, in-depth analysis, podcasts, and more. Cincinnati sports news 24-7. Get the skinny only on Local12.com and the Local12 News app. Romaldo has been helping men, and now women, look their best for over 50 years. Established in 1968 by Master Taylor Romaldo in the quaint community of Madeira, Ohio, Romaldo has become a Cincinnati staple for authentic menswear, bespoke garments, and old world tailoring, gathering national recognition while staying true to their goal of delivering exceptional products with unparalleled service. Romaldo is truly a destination for any style-minded individual. Located at 7121 Miami Avenue in the heart of Madeira, Romaldo is more than just a suit shop. Stop in for anything from denim and t-shirts to sport coats, sweaters, grooming products, and much more. As we approach the holidays, Romaldo is your one-stop shop for the best gifts for the men and women in your life. Centrally located just 15 minutes from downtown, 10 minutes from Hyde Park, and a quick jaunt from Mason, Romaldo, suited for the everyday man. 7121 Miami Avenue in Madeira. Welcome back into the Angry Quarterbacks, segment number two. Each week we talk NFL and the Bengals, we talk high school football, we talk college football, we sometimes mix them up in the order we do them. But we're talking a little high school football here uh, as we get to state championship weekend in Kentucky and Ohio. One Kentucky team still alive, Covenant Catholic, which has lost one game over the last three seasons that was in the state championship game last year. A lesson that I think Eddie Eviston has em- oh, yeah. em- embarked onto his players uh, and made sure that they understand uh, no opponent can be overlooked, especially in a state title game. Uh, Elder moving on to the state championship game as well in Division One in Ohio. They'll take on Pick Central and LaSalle in Division Two, moving on as well. Let's start uh, Let's start in Kentucky with Covenant Catholic. Um they're, the thing that, that's been impressive to me is is just how dominant that yeah. defense is week in and week out. Yet you go back, the, the one aberration to some degree is that second game against Lexington Catholic when they gave up 38 points. Now, Lexington Catholic also has a quarterback who is committed to Kentucky and, and right. is really highly thought of. So, obviously, he, he has... He's a talent, and I'm assuming there's enough talent around him. They're they're not a great. They weren't a great team, but you know that's that's a week that you can look back on. But other than that, I mean it, and it's against good teams. Bowling Green's got dudes. They they look. They they buried LaSalle twenty seven seven. What's right. LaSalle doing this weekend? Rolling. Well, actually Thursday, yep. playing for a state championship. So yep. um, this Cubcat team to me, I, in this three year run, year one was pretty dominant. Year two was dominant, but then they didn't win the state title. They lost in the, in the in the title game. This year seems to be a whole completely yeah. different plateau. Well, I think coming off that state title loss and then you get the Lexington Catholic game early, it's like, okay, now I have your attention. Yeah. 
And I think for a coaching staff, that was all I needed uh, because this team, it, again, it's, it's not easy to dominate every team you play. Right. It's not easy to not look past a team or take something for granted and slip up and have a game where you turn the ball over a bunch or you give up some points. They don't. They, they are locked in every game, offensively, defensively. Um, I mean, what percentage of their games are running clocks? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, probably it's, this year, I'll bet I'd say – Nine of them, probably yeah. nine, maybe even ten of the right. of the of the fourteen male, maybe even eleven of the fourteen. Right. So you you look at that issue, and you just sit back. Okay, then they're they're better than everyone, but they handle themselves like that. They don't handle themselves like we're just going to look past. They they come in every week and they get to work. They get the job done. And I think the obviously the loss last year in the title game is enough fuel. I'm sure they're having a really good week of practice this week. I, I, would, as they I, I would think so too. And I mean, if you think about that senior class, which Michael Mayer is a big part yeah. of, who's going to Notre Dame as a tight end, and you and I have talked about. I mean, he's he's the one that wrecks people on defense. I'm not so sure that that's maybe not a better side of the ball for him when all is said and done. Play and both, it, and, and it may be. I maybe he goes to Notre Dame, and they're like, "Nah, you know what? We got four tight ends. Yep. You're too good of an athlete. You're going to play on this side, and you're going to play on Sundays on that side of the ball too." Right. Um, and I think he can do that. I really, I really believe Connor that. Barwin did that. Um, for that senior class, though, I mean, literally, they 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 are within a probably a bad half in the title game away from running the table in three straight years. Right, it's incredible. That's incredible to me. Yep. It really and truly it's hard is. to do at any level. It is. It no really matter how is. dominant you yep. are. Elder um, certainly Springfield always has guys, and and they've they their only loss this year was early to Fairfield in a very close game. I believe it was sixteen to twelve was the final, something along those lines, and they certainly pushed Elder. Big call in the game. Doug Ramsey goes with an onside kick up seven. Yep. Got a little bit of a lucky bounce. Um, but, you know, you call that with the hope of a lucky bounce in mind or catching them by surprise. First and foremost, how gutsy do you think that call was? Uh, I don't know how you could get any gutsier <laughs> I mean, at that point. I mean, that's truly throwing the other team off because no one would be expecting no. that at that point. Um, I mean, that this team... I mean, you've, you've liked them from week one. Yeah, we, we know what they've been, but like when you watch the team, when you watch them, it doesn't look like a Division One powerhouse. Especially on the defensive on side. On the defensive side. They're undersized. They're, they're outmanned at times. They just play harder, and they're better, they're better coached. They, scheme-wise, he's, they're he's right really where they good. need to be. Uh, they give maximum effort. Coach Ramsey and the rest of that staff, they get every possible ounce of out of every kid on the team. You know what I like team. to think of it is? I like to think of it as the Redding work ethic. Yep. I, that's what I like to think that's of it That's what it is. is. I, you it know, was instilled in Doug Ramsey, and now from, he instills it in Elder. From a young age, yep. he, he grew up in Redding, went to Redding. I mean, he's he's, yep. he's got that Redding work right. ethic. You know, You're and, right. And I think it's translated it's to, to the West Side. It's basically a state title there's never, been a, there's never been a West Side work ethic, no. right? No, nobody ever thinks of the West Side as a work ethic. Oh, wait point, a minute, yeah, you do. At this point, it's basically a state title for Redding as well. I think that's how you have to look at it, right? Like, you know, when you go into like a town and it's like home of the yes. 2003 state basketball champion, Reading Blue Devils, like it'll be... Home of Doug Ramsey, yeah. who coached Elder to state championships. Right. which basically says he lives in Reading, but as a Reading state That's title. right. That's exactly right. Uh, let's move to LaSalle. Um, they had that great... Why great, are they playing on Thursday? Uh, you got the... Because the math. Terrible. The math shows that you got to oh. play one standalone game. One oh, okay. game, then three, and then three. Okay. Um... LaSalle went through that great run, obviously, um, and it felt like, okay, the run's over. They're not going to get back to that level maybe ever again, right? I mean, it just that, that was such a great run. And yet here they are again. I think it speaks to Pat McLaughlin as a coach. Uh, yes. Um, you know, they, they've got some, obviously, some, some athletes, but they're kind of true to their identity. We talk about the identity of teams. They're true to their identity, which kind of like yep. Elder. We're going to run the football. 
our defense is is going to tackle you and you're not going to make big plays on us and and really I mean they played such a good schedule I think everybody was taken by surprise and shock that Covcath beat them the way they beat them 27-7. Right. Maybe it was the best thing for them too of hey, A, well that and a, Woods not making it. Yeah, A Covcath was pretty good and B, if you don't show up in a week, this is what can happen to you against a good team. Mm-hmm. I think for them that's the that's the learning message for this week of hey, yeah, we're here and we've had a pretty good run through the playoffs, but don't let anything slip up at this point. And I I think I, I think they win it too. Right. Yeah, I I now, they play Massillon, right? Yeah. Massillon doesn't really have to travel for this game. It's all right, though. I don't care about the travel. You don't think that matters? I don't. I don't. Do you okay. think it matters for high school? Do you yeah, think it matters point. for high school kids? At some point. I think it matters to those, those elder teams that go to St. Ed's and stuff. I think that I'll, matters. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. But for a state title game, you're, you're probably going up a little time to spare yeah. as opposed to kind of making a quick trip during the regular season. What do you mean? School's first. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Okay. So you let out school. Yeah, you, yeah. Okay, school's yeah. first. Okay. But they get Thursday off, maybe. Oh. Don't you think they get Thursday oh, off? Okay. Now I see. <laughs> Go up a little earlier. Now I see. No, I, mean, I think it, it was an in-service day already planned. I yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. it was. That's what but it was. No, I mean, what you and you hit, you hit the nail on the head. What what Coach McLaughlin's been able to do is at LaSalle, not just a one and done type of thing, but a now a sustained run right, right. of excellence over there is. I mean, it, it, it speaks great for that school. It speaks great for the GCL. It does. Two GCL to, schools to in there. Two more schools in the, the state title game. So uh, it's great for this area. Uh, Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati. Again, I just hope that, that these teams can, can finish the journey because uh, that's a state championship. And I heard a little bit of Doug Ramsey's post game. A state championship is something that you remember forever. And Can't you, take it away from you. Talk about it forever. Yep. Um, and you don't want to be that team that, you know, got there and. Well, we won more game. We made it to the state title game. You want to be the team that that won that state title and continued that excellence and put the program back at the top of the map, and, and that's what these teams have an opportunity to do. And Reading gets another another notch on its belt with, yep. with the win as well. Uh, that, that's what matters the another most. Another one. Yeah, that's what matters the most. All right, when we continue, got some college football to talk about. Can you see on back-to-back weeks go to Memphis, shake off the loss of a week ago, and win? Will Ohio State be threatening the Big Ten oh. championship game? And where do we go? When it comes to the BCS playoff, we'll see the college football playoff, actually. We'll talk about that more as we continue. It's the Angry Quarterbacks from the James Rapine studio. No longer nice. memorial, at least for another couple of weeks, at least. I'm Richard Skinner. He's Tony Until Pike. the Bengals beat the Browns. Then it will be, yeah. This is the Angry Quarterbacks from BSP Media. Getting answers. Finding solutions. Local 12 News investigates. As soon as we called you, everything happened very quickly. Not afraid to ask the tough questions. Taking action, getting the truth. Local 12 News investigates. Are you looking to produce your own podcast? ESP Media has state-of-the-art audio and video production studios available for you. Our studio rental rates are the most competitive in town. Contact us today at sales at ESPMediaSN.com or 513-655-4966. That's 513-655-4966. It's your podcast. We just produce it. Welcome back into the Angry Quarterbacks. We talked some uh, Bengals and the NFL, mostly Bengals Browns. Our friend James Rapine, who joined us on this podcast last year, now working up in Cleveland. Talked to him about that game and more. Uh, we just talked a little high school football with three teams playing for state titles, Elder, LaSalle, and Covcath in the last segment. But our final segment, we'll talk some college football, and it is championship weekend this coming weekend. Conference championship games in which uh, we've got actually three area schools involved in conference championship yes. games. Um, on uh, on Saturday at noon, we'll start there. Miami plays Central Michigan in the MAC t- title game. Miami lost its final game to Ball State, but it sounded more like 
Chuck Martin wanted to play for a half. They had no real, they had really nothing else to play for in the second half. So he started to pull some guys. They were looking to the MAC title game. Um, their their bowl kind of tied to what they do in that game anyway. Um, I'm still of the ilk. I think I'd have kept pushing forward yes. for goodness sakes, but uh, very tough, tough matchup. Uh, Central Michigan has played actually some pretty good football, especially of late. How about their turnaround? This they year? yeah they they at one point this year they were oh or not they were one no two I'm sorry two and two and three, but their two wins out of their first five were against Albany and Akron. They got blistered by Wisconsin 61 nothing. lost to a, what's a mediocre Miami of Florida team, 17-12, and then lost to Western Michigan in the conference opener. Since that time, they've only lost once, and they've rolled up a bunch of points. They lost to Buffalo in the middle of what is six of the last seven games they've won. And in those six games, they, they scored 42, 42, 38, 48, 45, and 49 points yeah. last week against Toledo. Pretty tough matchup for Miami. The Miami defense has played pretty darn well all season long, in fact, before the game on Saturday, I think in the in the stretch of games that they had won, they were on a what a five game winning streak. In the games that they had won, they had allowed 16 points per game. But it just feels like the Miami offense, when you play a shootout type team, I just don't know if they're good enough to keep up. Yeah, th- this is going to be tough for Miami. And, and again, this is something give give Central Michigan and Jim McElwain credit. They were one and eleven last year. Yeah, I mean they were a bad football team, and, and to, to turn it around that quick has been great to see. Uh, but no, the the way they move on offense, the way they can score, it's just one of those cases where you see it time and again on offense. You start to press just a little bit, and and Gabbert's been solid for most of the year. Yeah, he's, but he hasn't been asked to go right. go throw for five touchdowns and three hundred yards. Um, he's he's managed the games. If a team starts to put up some points, can you keep up? Can you keep up? Can you lift and carry that team? And that that is the question for Miami now going into this title game. Yeah, they made the title game. That's a, that's a pretty, yeah. pretty nice step. They're yeah, going to a bowl game, which again is a nice step. Uh, but you get a chance to maybe even have a better bowl game and, and be a MAC champion. So there, there's a lot there on the line for Miami. 3.30 on Saturday, you make the return trip to Memphis. Oh. Um, <laughs> let's start first and foremost. How was your hotel? Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> The Crown Plaza Crown East. Crown Plaza, Memphis East. It was bad. Now, I would think Crown Plazas are pretty nice. No. Yeah, yeah. If, if you go back to the Home Alone movies, here's all, sure. here's all I here's all I here's <laughs> here's all I, I ask of a hotel. Usually, I, I don't even mind. I can even stay if, in a Motel Six if you tell me the following: A, it's going to be a clean room. That's all mm. I'm asking for. Just give me the clean room and pressure in the shower. I got to have water pressure. How was the water pressure in the Crown, uh, Crown Plaza? Well, the shower in itself it was uh it was a constant drip. You couldn't turn the shower all the way off. <laughs> How was that to sleep through? Not good. <laughs> I was going to say. Although it drowns out mo and, and the snoring uh, okay. so. Okay. All right. Um it wasn't a clean Are you a either. snorer? I don't know. Well, I mean somebody I'm sure your wife has probably kicked you a few times no, if you snore. Never. <laughs> it was a uh we walked into our room, and I was following another player down the hallway, and he went to get into his room and didn't even need his key card. He just pushed on the door, and it opened. And he kind of turned around and looked at me, and we made eye contact, and I was like, well, that can't be good. And then I walk into my room, and it's like a construction zone. Yeah, I, you showed me some pictures. It looked like well, it looked like someone was living in the room. Like It looked like they were renovating the bathroom. There was tiles all... Did, did you notice any HT, HGTV film crews no, there for hotel renovation? No. I think that's now a show. No, there were like tiles down. There was the, the shower curtain was in the shower, and it looked like... there Look was like a, It sounds like a crime scene. There was like a Wendy's bag and a drink, and there was like seven pillows on one bed and one pillow on the other. None of the beds were done. Uh, needless to say, Mo and I got a new room. 
Um, but uh, no, it wasn't the greatest hotel experience, and and I blame I blame the vibe at the hotel for the way the team played. Uh, it, so- it sounds like it. It was for a sure. slow start at the hotel, and it was a slow start for the Bearcats on Friday. Okay, so they they got down early, seventeen three, battled their way back, end up losing by ten. We yep. we both said last week I, you were probably going to have to get to thirty to win this game. It was going to be very difficult. What did you think of Ben Bryant? There were mistakes, obviously. There were fumbles and some interceptions, but they also asked him to do some things that they hadn't been asking Des Ritter to do the last few weeks because of the shoulder and various and sundry things. How did he do? And maybe if he has to play Saturday, and I think it'll probably be Des. Maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it'll probably be Des. You got him through another yeah. week. I know he actually he was going to be the back. He was the backup yep. Saturday or uh, yeah. Friday, correct? That if something yeah. happened to Ben, Des could have played. Um, how did you think Ben played first and foremost? And how much maybe does it... that at least give him a chance to to get through a game and realize some of the things yeah. and the game speed and all that. He's well, played some snaps. I think the, but not the, like this. I think the Des Ritter factor. I think simply put, Des Ritter should play this week. But if there's any struggle at all, you don't have to worry about Ben Bryant coming in anymore because he just played this team last right. week. So I think he's much more comfortable to do that. Uh, the negatives uh, it took him a while to get going. Uh, you can't turn the ball. He put the ball on the ground three times. Two interceptions. Lost one of the fumbles. But you expect and the some, kickoff, and the kickoff return. Yeah. I mean, and, and now I think the the talk going into the game was start fast because this team on the road hadn't started fast, and now with a young quarterback making his first start on the road, you want to get him into a manageable situation. Right. Coming in seven nothing after you give up the opening kickoff, crowd going crazy is not the most ideal of situations for a quarterback to come in. Let alone seventeen to three after the first quarter, and it didn't look like your defense was going to be able to stop him. Now. Ben Bryant, there was a there was a span there in the second and the third quarter where he was in such a good rhythm, mm-hmm. um, throwing the ball on time. Accuracy was unbelievable. He was showing off the arm strength. I mean, I think they converted th- 11 third downs. Um, and in the passing game, that's something they had struggled mightily with the past few weeks. So um, Michael Warren still ran for over 100 yards. Ben Bryant, when they would come and put eight or nine in the box, was efficient enough to throw the ball around. They converted a third and, I believe, t- plus 20 uh, for a 51-yard completion where he showed off the arm strength down the sideline. That's something that Des Ritter doesn't give you right now because of the shoulder problems. So Ben Bryan showed he's more than capable. He's shown he can win a game at this level. Um, I thought he put him in a good chance. I questioned a little bit, and I never I, I questioned not taking the points at the end of the third quarter from Luke Fickle. Um, to tie the game when he went for it on fourth down, just because you're playing a team that averages 42 a game. Right. At some point, they're going to score, and you'd have kept yourself within a touchdown. But, I mean, outside of a Majay Sanders personal foul and sportsmanlike penalty, that team's – we're getting the ball back with a chance to right. go win the right. game. Right. And for Ben Bryant to help put the team in that situation – I don't think you can ask much more on the road in your first start against a really good Memphis team. Okay, you're playing for a conference championship, and that should mean something. I mean, it should hold some cachet. The The only issue is, with a win, you've got to have Boise lose to Hawaii probably to get that New Year's Six you don't think they can bowl jump spot. Um, well, I'm going to give you a scenario where maybe they can. All right, let, let's assume that Boise beats Hawaii, mm-hmm. and they beat them earlier this year, 59-37, and they're clearly the better team. Um, and, and again, they, they should win the game. So let's just go for argument's sake that Boise wins this game. UC beats Memphis. If you're Luke Fickle and you beat him with Des Ritter playing, mm-hmm. can you lobby to the point of saying, Absolutely. hey, listen, last week, man, we didn't have our starting quarterback, and 
you know, we just split with them. We had to play them twice on the road, and we split our other losses to a, to the team that's going to be in the in the final right, four, the number one overall team in Ohio State. I think we're worthy of this. Now, somebody has to do the stumping. Somebody has to do the politic, and even that may not be enough. Right. But could you could you foresee that? I, I, I honestly, I don't. I, I, they have to have Boise lose, in my opinion. I think you would agree with that, that that's probably the, the case. But if you win this game, I think you can lobby in that regard. It's not like you lost to Memphis last year. It's one thing if you lost to Memphis 49-10, to 10, yeah. right? And then this week yep. you eke out a one-point win, and the committee can go back and go, you got boat raced by them last week. Sorry, no, goodbye. Yeah. But you didn't. You're right in the football game. And, and, the, and there's a step further I would take that. I would say, okay, and, and people talk about Boise, their win, Air Force and Florida State. Those are Boise's best wins. I would say, let's go back to a common opponent. Boise State played Marshall in Boise. And it was very and close. It was 14 they were, they were, to seven. Yeah, they were all out to win that game. It was game. a 14-7 to seven yeah. game. UC went to Marshall. And buried them. And beat them 52-14. to two, 14. two weeks later, right? Yes. Two or whatever. It was close. Yeah, so 52-14 to 14 on the road at Marshall. Marshall on the road at Boise um, came within seven points. So they have a common opponent, and it wasn't even close. Right. Boise's wins aren't no extremely impressive. UC has some good wins in there as well. Um, I think the case could be made. I think they say, look, we lost to the number one overall t- overall team in the country. We lost to a to a, and we lost to a Memphis team who's ranked with our backup quarterback on the road. Right. I, I don't see how you can't make that point. No, now, I agree with you. I, I just I still don't think that yeah, would be I, enough. I'm with you. But I think that's the point that has to be. They made. They would almost have to do something like win 35 to 10. Very or something yeah, convincingly and yeah. dominate Memphis, yeah. which I don't think you can do to that Memphis I, I, offense. I would agree with you. Um, so here's the thing: but for you. win and you at least. Make an argument. Yeah. Now, here's the other point to that. If you're the committee, and, and we'll know tonight where these teams are, are ranked, we, right. we do this on a Tuesday morning, and, and the college football playoff rankings come out on, on Tuesday night. If Memphis is ahead of Boise, that tells me the committee believes Memphis is a one-loss team, is better than Boise as a one-loss right. team, more highly regarded. So then, again, you beat that team that's more highly regarded at their place, and you have a pretty good resume yourself. I think that's that's interesting. now if somehow Boise is rated ahead of Memphis tonight, then it's Memphis that's sweating and going, Well crap, we actually we have to beat Cincinnati and then have maybe even get a little lucky there. Right. So yeah, I I think a lot of that will depend on it. But I, I think UC could make a really good case at, at eleven and two versus twelve and one Boise to go put yeah. our resumes up together. Yeah. Ours and, is better. And Mike Oresco's done a great job of doing that already. Yeah. He's been lobbying for the past couple of weeks already. It's very simple. Memphis wins, they're gonna be the the Cotton Bowl yeah, representative. Yeah, and I think they should be, yeah. And I mean, UC can make the case if they win, they should be the Cotton Bowl representative, and I'm sure they will. But, again, first things first, and it's a tall task. It is a very tall task. Let's because, get clear of that, too. And, and, and here's why. Um, so Marcus Freeman last year against Navy completely stifled that Navy team in that option attack based off a game plan. Um, you basically held Memphis, which averages 42 a game, to 27 a game, to 27 last game. Take away the seven on the kickoff return. Right. Held them to three touchdowns. Um, can you do that again to that offense? Uh, that offense that now sees what you have, what you have, and schemes. what you're going to try to do because it's hard to come up with two different schemes, no doubt, back to back against the same team. Yeah, it's one thing when you are physically better than the team right. across from you, you can just line right. up. You're and trying play. to out scheme a yes. way to stop an yes. explosive offense. So, I, I would argue that UC's got to get to 35 this week. I think that would be the number offensively that you got to score and. If they can do that with Des Ritter is, is remain to be seen. Now, I think the positive was Michael Warren still ran for over 120 mm-hmm. yards. If Des Ritter comes back, he's a viable threat on the ground. But 
it has to be a healthy Des Ritter, and the leash has to be short um, because if you're down a couple scores and you got to air the ball out, I still think Ben Bryant gives you the best chance to do that. All right, then Saturday night, it'll be Ohio State taking on Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game. This is a rematch from back on October 26th at Ohio State where uh, Chase Young just wrecked things and, and Ohio State dominated Wisconsin, beating them 38-7. to Since then, Wisconsin has beaten Iowa 24-22, then won at Bad Nebraska 37-21, beat Woeful Purdue 45-24. But the one that opens my eyes a little bit, a little bit, was going to Minnesota and handling Minnesota the way that they did this past week, 38-17. Feels like they've, they've let the quarterback throw the ball a little bit more. It hasn't been run, run, pass, punt, or run, run, pass to try to get the first half. Feels like they've opened things up just a little bit. But I honestly can't find you any scenario, can't give you any good reason at all to think Wisconsin wins that game. Yeah, and then just because of the fact of you could go into a game like this and say, okay, if we can get Ohio State to slip up, even if Ohio State slips up, they're scoring 35 right, points. Right, right. And against that defense with what Chase Young did to Wisconsin last time around, I just don't see how Wisconsin can score enough. I think they can, they can make it a closer game. I don't think they can score enough to upset Ohio State. Right. All right, there's also a big game on Friday night, the, Pac, the Pac-12 championship game, Utah and Oregon. When the rankings are released tonight, I think we'll agree – yeah, maybe we won't. I, I, yeah, I think we'll agree. Ohio State will be number one again, correct? Yes. LSU two. Clemson. Even though that LSU win against Texas, I know it's pretty impressive. good. I know, but I think I still think Ohio State stays one. I think Ohio State. The only thing with Ohio State that gets supplanted at number one is if LSU beats the bejesus out of Georgia in the SEC championship game correct. on Saturday. Correct. Um, and is convincing there. So Ohio State, we think, is one. LSU's two. It really doesn't matter right now. It'll matter after this weekend because that's how the pairings will be. Clemson will be three. That part's a given. And Georgia will be four. Alabama was five. They're, probably, they're definitely dropping out after the loss. The question then is, who becomes number six? Is it Utah with an iffy resume? Or is it Oklahoma with... A resume that at least includes a win over Baylor. I, I think the big part for me is, does it go Utah, Oklahoma, Baylor, and then for the Baylor, Oklahoma winner, the win for them, even if Utah beats Oregon, the win for them, is it a better win? If it, I'm surmising here, if Georgia yeah. losing to LSU, if Georgia beats LSU, your Simple. four teams are set: Ohio State because they're going to beat Wisconsin, LSU, Georgia, and Clemson. Yeah. Which I don't think Georgia can beat LSU. I don't either. But again, if they do, I think your four are set without question. But I'm in agreement with you. I don't think they do win. So let's assume Georgia loses. I think the Oklahoma-Baylor situation is actually set up for them to leapfrog Utah and get to the get to the playoff. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe Utah, I will say they passed the eyeball test. I think they're yeah. really, really, really good. But who have they played? Right. They didn't play a, anybody. I saw a stat this week. If you took Utah off and it was USC with the same record in the stats, I think the eyeball test you would – Pushed, I think, just because Utah is a different name. Yes, and you don't get to watch them as much because it's West Coast and and it's the Pac-12. Um, Here's their three non-league games: BYU, Northern right. Illinois, Idaho State. Well, BYU beat Boise. There you go. And you know Boise's going to be in the Cotton Bowl. There you go. Um, no, I, I I really think that that Utah has to win convincingly, and and I think just just by beating Oregon wouldn't be enough because I think that Oklahoma Baylor winner would have more of a resume, and, and I think that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down, in my eyes, it'll come down to Oklahoma or Utah I, I, for I, that I, final spot because I, I don't see Georgia being there, and now Alabama's out as well. I will say, I think it would be easier for the committee if they would rank Oklahoma fifth, jump them over Utah this week, yes. then to put it in a position of, Oklahoma, you win, you're in. 
You don't. Sorry, Baylor, you're still behind Utah. And even if you beat Oklahoma, right. just Not gonna start, sorry for your luck because um, you guys would have split with each other. And then Utah then is able to slide in that. I think that would be the wise thing to do. Yeah. But if Utah sits at number five, the thing for Utah is if you're sitting at number five, and yes, I'm, I'm making the case that whoever wins the Oklahoma-Baylor game will have another good win on their resume because right. they're going to be right behind each other. Um, if you're Utah, you're looking and going, wait a minute, we were already ahead of them. How are we getting right. leapfrogged at this point of the game? Yeah, I, I think what's going to play out is it's going to be perfect for the committee. I think Georgia loses. I think Oregon beats Utah. And, and that, that's also and scenario. Oregon can beat Utah. Yeah, I do too. I, I, think, I think that's probably I think it the plays out I, nice I, and easy. This, though, this year out of any other year, I think it's so important to get that number one overall. I agree. Because I do not – I don't care if it's LSU or Ohio State – there, there's just something I don't about. Have, I don't want to have to beat Clemson yes, just and LSU. There's or, something about Clemson where it's like, and I know Dabo is pitching this "woe is us" type stuff, but we gotta go. We gotta go thirty zero. Yeah, there, there's something about that team that would obviously scare me to, to if I'm an LSU or Ohio State fan, to be like, man, I gotta go through Clemson first and then get a shot at the other right. big dog. Right. I think that that one seed has a legitimate advantage, and that's year. where if even if Ohio State. I think we we concur they win this game with ease. I think you better win it with some style points and just put the mm-hmm. hammer down and go, hey, look at us. We are the best team in the country. Right. Make and, us number one. And if one. you're LSU, same thing. do the same thing to Georgia. Yeah. Uh, we, we're going to roll out of here. Yeah. We're going to roll them. What happens, what happens if, if uh, Baylor and Oklahoma tie, <laughs> Utah loses to Oregon, Georgia loses, and UC beats Memphis? <laughs> You see, jump into the top and the four. Cat howls at the moon at yes. midnight. That has to happen as well. But we jump in. Then you jump in. Okay. Yes, there you go. That's so how. So you're that's saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's no chance, <laughs> no chance whatsoever. Any final thoughts? T Pike, 16, 15, 14, or 13. That's all I got. <laughs> okay, buddy. That's all I got. Can't wait. Memphis Crown Plaza East. Here we come. Enjoy, enjoy the stay. Our thanks to James Rapine for checking in. For executive producer, engineer Rob Ebel. Hold on, I have one more thing. Oh, and Tony Pike has one more thing. You did this whole thing. Congrats to Lynn Bowden. He's he's he's, he's good player. He's outstanding. He's a good player. He is really good. Two hundred eighty-four yards rushing. Um, he's pretty yeah. damn good. See, I even gave Kentucky. I appreciate some love that. There. Thank you, because it's hard not to be impressed. Yep. All right, thanks for thanks to Rob Abel. Thanks to Tony Pike for one more thing. There, we always appreciate that. Yep. I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Angry Quarterbacks Podcast from ESP Media. Every little Christmas, make the Yuletide.